above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Oh, they tackle him at the 40 yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network and me, your host, Matt Burning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Today, we have a combine special episode coming to you guys. We've got Dennis Bennett at Culture underscore Coach and a special guest joining us today to talk specifically about the combine and a bunch of the prospects that he likes and we like. So check it out, of course, though, before we get to that this episode is brought to you by ticks blitz have you been searching for the best ticket deals around well look no further with ticks flicks the price you see is the price you pay and ticks flicks just happens to have over six billion dollars in ticket inventory just waiting for you they absolutely mean it when they say every ticket every venue everywhere and you can save even more with promo code pulse in all caps to save you five percent off your total purchase just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TixFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's TixFlix.com. T-I-X-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Again, guys, I keep talking about this website. I'm telling you, it's awesome. If you're looking for any kind of ticket, sporting events, uh, you know, anything, Comic-Con, you're looking to go to concerts, anything like that, check them out. There's no booking fees, no extra stuff. It's really awesome. Uh, again, use our promo code PULSE. That is capital P-U-L-S-E. Promo code PULSE to get you guys some fi- or get you guys 5% off your tickets. So without further ado, let's stop wasting our time and everybody's time now. Let's go ahead and just jump right into this combine. And as I was just talking about, guys, we've got a special guest with us today. But first, we'll introduce the co-host, Mr. Dennis Bennett. Again, you guys can find him at Culture underscore Coach, who's with me every uh, twice a week. Sorry, we only record twice a week at the moment because it's the offseason. But uh, Dennis, what's going on? You know, I am having a great day today. You know, we finally got past the winds up here in Ohio. So it seems like they're down to about 20 mile an hour now, so that's always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you probably would prefer it to be down to single digits, but I'm sure it'll get there eventually. It's, you know, it's almost the end of February. I'm sure you guys will, you'll, you'll be fine once March hits. Yeah, you know, hurricane season in Ohio. <laughs> but of course, we have a special guest. We've been talking about it for about a week now. Me and Dennis have both been excited I'm to so get him excited. on. so <laughs> excited. To get him on here and talk prospects and combine. It is Mr. Jared. Wackerly, what is going on, dude? I'm glad that you could join us. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the fantasy industry, writing. Tell us about, obviously, we've already been kind of plugging your awesome articles, but go ahead and talk about those as well. Just give all listeners <laughs> everything about you that you want to let us know. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, so I got started in the fantasy industry, I guess, in the middle of last year during the season. So I've always been a commissioner of my leagues uh, with my friends and everything like that. I played college football at the University of Akron for a couple years. Okay. Transferred to Slippery Rock. Yeah. And then uh, I actually ended up leaving during camp because we had some family trouble back at home. So came home, um, helped out with the family, 
I'm currently working in sales and I'm always at the computer. <laughs> so I get bored every now and then at work and I figured, hey, why don't I start, you know, getting into fantasy since I love football, love fantasy, might as well dig in a little bit here. And I actually ran into Dennis. Um, I forget. I think you're tweeting about like Ohio State or something. Um, what was it? Do you remember? I don't remember. I, I It might have. Who knows? I, I spend more time tweeting than I probably should to be an employee. <laughs> As do most of us. But yeah, I don't know. I shot you a tweet about like some Ohio State list you're putting together, and then you DM me, and they're like, hey. And uh, I was like, I was like, I was thinking about writing, and you're like, you should definitely do it. And I think you plugged me with a couple people, and you, you definitely helped me out a lot. So I appreciate yeah, that. I went and checked out your breakdown of Preston Williams. That was yeah. So I started doing those breakdowns because I have a background in, you know, making graphics, uh, making videos and stuff like that. And, of course, watching film, playing football. So started doing that, applied for that FS statistics gig, and they really liked my videos. So, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Sorry, hold on. Oh, okay. no, you're good. Uh, <laughs> um, they really liked my videos. Uh, so I started writing for them, breaking down prospects and you know, we got the combine coming up here. So we've been really pushing it, pushing the envelope and trying to get out as many prospect reviews as we can. And they have been good, man. Like I said, I've, I've, ever since the Hakeem Butler one, which I know you know I'm a big fan of because we've talked about it on Twitter back and forth here a little bit there, here and there. When I read that article, I was hooked, man, and I've, I've been reading them since. I've, I've really enjoyed your articles, and that's why we've been thrilled to have you to get you on here because, like I said, I've, I've loved your breakdowns. You know, I like to – consider myself good at talking about prospects but i was someone who propped up ronald jones fairly highly last year so i've tried to take a back seat this year some to talking about prospects <laughs> because uh that, that that's really taken taken me down quite a few notches as, as dennis knows hey you win some you lose some you can't always be right you know i agree with you on that but a lot of people out there disagree with that sentiment they think that you should always be right no, that's impossible. well you don't have to always be right you just don't need to be that wrong well, that's, that's, that's true, too, unfortunately. All right, so as I've been talking about, again, for, for weeks now, we brought Jared on here to talk about the Combine. So, obviously, it starts tomorrow with different players coming in. They're going to start doing their interviews and medicals and everything, and then this weekend is when all the fun stuff starts happening. They'll start doing drills, doing all this other stuff. And as Jared just touched on, he's done a very good job with FS Statistics breaking down these players and everything. So we wanted to get him on here to get his opinions about a lot of stuff, as I've already talked about. I'm going to let him and Dennis do all the talking on this episode. I'm just going to ask the questions and let them give you guys all this knowledge so you guys know who to watch this weekend and throughout the whole combine process and who to kind of to really focus in on with their rookie drafts coming up here within probably the next couple months after the NFL draft finishes. So how I wanted to start off today's episode, uh, I've already touched on the Marquise Brown injury last week when it first happened, uh, but it's a big injury, obviously, for NFL prospects. It's a Liz Frank injury. I just kind of wanted to get your guys' opinions on if you guys think that's going to hurt his stock and he moving into the NFL draft for fantasy and for real-life NFL. Uh, we'll start with uh, Jared since you're our guest, and then we'll go to Dennis. Uh, I think that's definitely going to hurt his stock. Anytime you see a late injury pop up in the draft process, um, you know he's definitely going to fall because those those teams they want him to play right away. So um, I'm not sure what exactly the timetable is on that. Have you guys seen seen anything? So what I saw is that he'll be back by camp. Whatever team drafts him, he'll be available for that first rookie camp. Okay. Well, I think that's definitely promising. Um, 
But again, anytime you see a late injury pop up in the process, I think it's always going to push your stock down a little bit because you can't go through your pro day. You can't go through the combine and stuff like that. I mean, you can definitely interview your tape's still there, but um, I think we, we know what we're getting with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like one of the fastest wide receivers in this class just by watching his tape. And I think it's said that he runs in the four threes, which I don't doubt. Um, <laughs> but still, you know, an injury is an injury. It's always going to hurt you a little bit. Dennis? I don't know that it's going to push him down that far. Uh, he's going to have plenty of opportunity to um, talk about the the work he put in on, on tape. So even if he, he doesn't run before the NFL draft, people know he's fast. Foot injuries can be kind of troubling at times because I, I feel like those are the type of injuries that sometimes have the, the propensity to, to return or reoccur. So that might create a little bit of pause in some uh, evaluators. But I, I still think he's probably going to end up pretty close to where he already was. You know, we, we say it all the time. It only takes one person to fall in love. And uh, once that one does, you know, they're going to take you where, where they want you and maybe even reach a little bit. I'm probably more concerned with the, you know, you see a lot of times when you have quarterbacks and wide receivers from the same team come out together. And so many times there's the expectation they're both going to be great. For every, you know, you know there's a lot of, Willie Totten's to go along with Jerry Rice's and a lot of Guy Benjamin's to go along with James Lofton's. And so is this going to be one of those situations where, you know, it's a reverse and Kyler Murray is really the one that carried the two of them? I I probably have more concern there. I'm admittedly team big wide receiver, so I'm probably not going to have any shares of him myself. I'm watching. I want to see how he does when he gets through the process and his foot is healed. You know, uh, I think a couple of the guys that have had foot foot problems that are starting that, that were kept pretty much at bay throughout, you know, they popped up occasionally throughout their careers, but with uh, uh, AJ Green and, and Julio Jones had some foot stuff and it's starting to pop up a little bit more as they, they get older. I don't know if that'll affect Brown because he's smaller, like it does them being as big as they are. So, yeah, that's definitely a good point. Um, I mean, you know, you like you said, you you know what you're getting with him. He's fast. He's a fast guy. You're going to put him on the outside and try to take the top off the defense. I think that's going to be his main role at the next level. I don't know how. Wh- where do you project him going, Dennis? I, I, I have about a second or third round grade on him. I, I probably would expect a third, but, I, I again, I'm not – I haven't started to really – go deep into mock drafts or full mock drafts. So I'm not really looking that closely at it yet. Yeah, he's a, still he, early. You know, he's, he's <laughs> got to go somewhere where he, his game fits. If he goes, let's say he goes to Washington and Colt McCoy is their quarterback. Is that really going to be conducive to him being effective? Right. Yeah. I would say for me, the only thing I would like to add is I would, lo- I would have loved to see him at the combine just to see if he could beat out Paris Campbell. I've, I've been on record saying many times, I think Paris Campbell is going to be by far the fastest person in this class. Uh, and I thought Marquise Brown would be the only person that might be able to challenge him for that. So I was really kind of hoping just to see that moving forward. Um, but I agree with you, Jared. I, I have a second round grade on him. I thought it was a little crazy. Some of the people talking about how he 
might be up there as like the first wide receiver drafted. I mean, he's in my opinion, he's good. Me and me and Dennis have had this conversation before. He's uh, as he's he noted a team big wide receiver. I, I don't really have a preference. I like all wide receivers in general, uh, but I liked Marquise Brown and his speed. I kind of I hate comparisons because I don't. They're never right, in my opinion, for the most part. But I thought if he went to the right offense, he could uh, be used almost like Tyree Kill. I don't want to say he is Tyree Kill, but I think if he was used like that, he could be very good in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, the injury, though, I, I don't think it's going to affect him that much, just in my opinion. I think he's still going to go probably in the second round. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't like comparisons, as you guys know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but I think, yeah, if you were to compare him, I I like I like, I like uh, compare him – to Deshaun Jackson, mm-hmm. but not as much wiggle like Tyreek Hill or Deshaun Jackson has. They have a little more playmaking ability, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, Marquise Brown is just a burner. Uh, but you said Paris Campbell's going to be the fastest one in this combine. I, I like Andy Isabella. You got to watch you out for so? him. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting to see. I would, like I said, and it might just be my, my scarlet and gray glasses um, I've got on there. You know, it's very hard for me to take those off most of the time. So I, I just think he's going to be the fastest. I, I'm really excited to see a lot of these guys run just to, to kind of see where they land. But moving into the combine preview stuff, I wanted to get your guys' top two prospects um, that you are most interested to see throughout this evaluation process over the next two weeks. Uh, again, we'll we'll start with Jared. We'll just just so I don't have to keep saying it. We'll start with Jared throughout every question here since he's the guest. Uh, just kind of talk about two prospects you're really excited about seeing, and then we'll move on to Dennis. I'm really excited. Uh, my top two prospects right now from dynasty aspect would be DK Metcalf and David Montgomery. I think Montgomery has a lot to prove in the athleticism profile. So the combine is going to be very important for him as well as the pro day. Uh, I think he's going to run a little bit better than what people are saying. I put out just a funny tweet the other day projecting he'd run between 4.5 and 4.7, which I expect him to be probably in the mid 4.6s, mm-hmm. which isn't bad. I mean, right. he, the way he runs, he's a deceptive runner. He, he, he picks and chooses his holes and he has great vision and uses that to his advantage. He doesn't need to be a 4.4 guy, but definitely interested to see how he does. Uh, DK Metcalf, you know, everybody's excited to see what this dude does at the combine. He's a freak. I think everybody, you guys have seen that picture that was going around, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of him yeah. and AJ Brown and everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The dude is a tank. So, um, if he runs in the four threes, I think Twitter's going to like break. So, yeah. uh, very excited to see what kind of numbers he puts up. Well, real quick, Dennis, I, I want to ask Jared a question here. So you said David Montgomery uh, at running back. I'm just curious. Um, we can talk more about this later, but just real quick. Do you have – is David Montgomery your current 1-1 at running back in this class, or are you have you jumped on the Josh Jacobs train like everybody else? You kind of like a, a big choo-choo train. <laughs> I like Josh Jacobs too. He's my number two. So okay. I have Montgomery ahead of him, I think. Just from just at this point in the process, it's hard for me not to put Montgomery at one just because of the production profile that he has over Jacobs. Um, of course, everybody likes to point to Jacobs splitting with Damian Harris and his workload and stuff wasn't as good. Um, but I think he's an outlier when you watch the tape. Uh, from Montgomery, I think his tape is good enough to put him slightly over Jacobs on my current rankings. So, yeah. Gotcha. Hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. David Montgomery's my number one, so I, I was just curious. Dennis, your top two <laughs> prospects. Well, my top two, I'm 
I like Montgomery as my number one running back as well. I'm, I, I put uh, a lot of weight in proven production. That's why I'm still uh, on Team Royce Freeman as opposed to Philip Lindsay. Well, sure. Lindsay produced. I just think Royce is going to end up with that job. But I, I feel like Montgomery has, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Curtis Martin in that, you know, he, he's probably going to run in the four sixes there. I think Martin was a four six at the combine and uh, he's got deceptive power and a little bit of wiggle and he, he's going to break off chunk plays. He's, he'll get you 30 or 40. He's probably not going to get you 70 or 80. But I'll take 30 or 40 consistently. And, uh, you know, he, he's pretty good in all facets of the game. Uh, I, I want to see how Nikhil Harry's uh, athletic profile stands up. He's, he's had a, had pretty good production, but there's some talk that he's going to not be as fast as we expect or as strong or, or agile as, as, uh, as people want him to be. That's more from a, interest standpoint top tight end is Hawkinson and so I want to see if he can be uh if he's going to actually be able to fit that two-way mold is he going to be big enough to maintain an NFL block blocking profile and is he going to be athletic enough to get out there and be a a true two-way tight end well two things really quick you gotta stop besmirching the good name of Philip Lindsay on this podcast, Dennis. We're we're gonna have some issues. You know, that's my guy, and I don't like it when you I talk know. bad about him. Number two, uh, I'm, I didn't I, talk bad. <laughs> he is better than Royce Freeman. All right, he is better than Royce Freeman, and we both know it. I know you're a Royce Freeman truther, but Philip Lindsay is the man. You it's, didn't sell any of your Lindsay shares. No, I have not. I love Philip Lindsay. I was like one of the very few people last year, because I know we didn't really follow each other at this point last year. Dennis was, like I said, he's the one who kind of got me uh, hooked up with you. Is uh, He was like the one guy that I was talking about everywhere, saying I didn't understand why nobody was high on this guy. Now, I don't. I honestly don't think he's going to be quite as good as he was this past year, but I've loved Philip Lindsay since he came out of college, I thought he's going to be a rock star. And uh, I'm just, he was the one thing that saved me last year with my Rojo and some other bad takes. So yeah, whenever Ronald Jones comes up, Matt quickly changes the subject. to <laughs> Exactly. Hey, you got You got to show people <laughs> hey, where you were right. Got to feel good when you find like a diamond in a rough like that. And he ends up producing. Exactly. And I'm still disappointed that neither one of you guys talked about my guy, Hakeem Butler, because he's going to blow this combine away. But that's who yeah, I expect. To surprise everybody and have a really good combine, do you guys expect anybody to surprise you or everybody else? Who's who's going to be that player that come Monday, once the combine and everything is over with, everybody is going to be talking about on Twitter that surprise nobody saw nobody saw coming that everybody's going to surprise the world. Nobody saw coming, huh? So <laughs> I was about to say DK Metcalf, but I mean everybody sees that coming. Yeah. So you can't say DK. Uh, I mean. I like Hakeem Butler, and I think he still is a bit under the radar. I know he had a great bowl game, made some crazy catches, and people were talking about him then, but I think it's kind of fallen a bit silent on the Hakeem Butler front. And I think once the combine comes and they see this huge dude running, I think he's going to run in the four, low four fives. I think he's going to surprise some people. Um, I think everyone's going to be talking about this dude. 
So that should probably make you pretty happy. It will. Well, I mean, yes and no. I, Unless you want his ADP lower. See, I do, and that's the one part of, that's the bad thing about me talking about him all the time. Because, like, last year, <laughs> I was talking about Philip Lindsay all the time, and nobody believed me. And so I was able to get him everywhere. And I know Dennis actually sniped him from me in a couple places because we're in a lot of leagues together. And uh, that's my hope for Butler, though, too, is that he'll just drop everywhere, and I'll be able to get him in all my leagues. But I have a feeling that's not going to happen. Dennis, do you have any surprises you think will, will take Twitter by storm on Monday? You know, it's it's hard to surprise at the Combine just because these are the 300 and some odd best college athletes, college football players right now for the most part. I, I'm interested to see if Kelvin Harmon tests – if he if he runs well and he looks real good and he tests well. You know, he was one of those guys that was up there being talked about as potentially the 1-1. And so I'd like to see him you know, with all the talk with pictures of Metcalf everywhere, flexing his muscles and stuff. It's sort of become, he's kind of become the forgotten guy in that top tier of wide receivers. So I'd I, I expect him to sort of reestablish himself and kind of give everybody a, Hey, maybe you forgot, but you shouldn't kind of minute. Yeah, for sure. I do want to give some love to the, guy from malone over here in my neck of the woods in canton ohio is ashton doolin okay. i was surprised that he got the uh combine invite but he's stick he's six two and he said to run a four four and i don't think really anybody knows about him other than the small little universe that we live in on twitter mm-hmm. um I, I so i mean that there's another guy for you to look out for i think if he does post the four four and people are kind of like who the heck is this guy um twitter is definitely going to start talking about him yeah that that uh that's very interesting i've actually never even heard that name before so i'm I'm glad that you brought him up that's someone that i will definitely pay attention to this weekend who do you guys think has the most to gain and the most to lose this weekend based on their performances i think benny snell has a lot to gain because the biggest knock on him is his athletic athletic profile all the statistics are there the production's there I think if he's able to perform better than what people are thinking right now, which is, you know, people are thinking he's probably going to run 4.8, 4.7. I think if he can get in the low 4.6s and then put up some good three-cone three cone numbers and shuttle runs, um, he's definitely going to improve his stock. He's a guy that I'm higher on than a lot of people that I've, I've seen in mock drafts um, because of their production. And I think you know exactly what you're getting with him. So he could definitely improve his stock if he shows out well. You know, I think that uh, somebody who's who's going to necessarily have to prove themselves or can move up, you know, I want to see some, some of the guys like Miles Sanders that only had one year because he was behind uh, Saquon Barkley. Can he stake a claim to a higher draft pick? Uh, I'd love to see Quadrio Allison, you know, provide some Legarrette Blunt type of uh, a package to a team. You know, I, I was looking at when I was looking at him, it was really odd. He had a great year, and then he was pretty much invisible for two years, and then he had another real good year. And I'm like, what happened for two years? And I totally forgot that first year when he was a freshman was when James Con- or John, yeah, James Connor yeah. had. Uh, cancer and and so when connor came back and took the job back and then after connor graduated then allison uh played some more i think uh 
you know, LJ Scott is somebody I expect to, to disappoint and show that he's just not athletic enough. Um, but some of these smaller backs, the Travion Williams, um, those guys, if they, if they don't show enough bulk, you know, if they, if they weigh, you know, 189 instead of 195 or 200, I think that could present some problems for them as well. I'm going to jump off topic real quick here. Uh, I actually like Travion Williams a lot. Uh, Jared, what is your th- what are your thoughts on Travion Williams? I am not high on Travion Williams. Well, I don't shit. know. What the fuck happened? So, he's a smaller back to begin with, um, which, you know, we've seen smaller backs have some success, like Philip Lindsay last year, Tyre Cohen, um, except for he doesn't really fit that profile to me. I When, I, when watching his film... I just haven't seen him be that elusive or that shifty. He just kind of he hits that open open field and he doesn't really do anything with it. When I when I watch the tape, I don't, I don't know. I know the numbers are there and the numbers stick out, but um, just watching his tape, I just, there is a lot lacking for me. So I have him, I think, twenty third on my overall rankings right now for dynasty dynasty drafts. Uh, he he may be getting moved a little lower going forward, but we'll see. Get out. What? Get my thread. I'm reading Don't Kill Myself books. You said that the book wasn't yours. Don't worry about the book. It isn't mine. I glanced at it. That's That was rough. I was <laughs> expecting a little bit more of a glowing review for him. That's all right. That's all right. We're, we're allowed to disagree on some things. Of course. All right, so now that we've talked about some of the guys that can gain or lose the most, do you guys have anybody that you think were the biggest snubs? I know there's been a lot of talk. About a lot of players here over the past couple of weeks, you know, some people could, you could, you could give either side of the debate on if you think they're a snub or not. But I want to get the guys that you guys think could be uh, the snubs on your list, the guys you wish that could have been there to you guys, uh, to see what they did throughout the combine process. Yeah, I would have loved to see Preston Williams be allowed to run at the combine. I think he would have definitely stood out. He's definitely a, a very high regarded athlete coming out of high school and it definitely shows up on film. So it's unfortunate that, you know, he allowed himself to, Oh, actually, I don't want to say that it's unfortunate. The decisions that he made to, um, assault his, his girlfriend as the misdemeanor states. So, um, it's good that he's allowed to interview with teams and stuff like that. Uh, another, another guy, slippery rock, slippery rock guy, Wes Hills, the running back. I'm surprised he didn't get an invite, especially with Ashton Doolin from D2 getting an invite. He had like 1,700 yards rushing and 17 touchdowns. He played a few years for Delaware, two-year captain for them. So I don't know. He went to the Senior Bowl, but I'm surprised he didn't end up on the combine list. A couple other guys, Darwin Thompson from Utah State. He's 5'8". A lot of guys are comparing him to Tariq Cohen. Um, Penny Hart. Georgia State, another smaller guy. So it seems like they're not getting any giving any love to these small dudes. <laughs> right. Yeah, also uh, just from the those guys that you mentioned right there, I think West Hills and Penny Hart were kind of the big standouts for me on those lists. I know West Hills. I I, I didn't get a chance really to watch much much of the senior day stuff uh, this year. I got caught up in some pretty uh, busy stuff with work, but uh, I heard he did pretty good and all that stuff. So I was kind of surprised that he didn't get a uh, didn't get asked to come to the combine. Dennis, do you have any snubs? Probably. The, the one that strikes me that I really wish I could see out there uh, is uh, Donald Parham, the tight end 
Oh, where was he out of? He's very out of Stetson. You know, he's a, a big guy, 6'8", 240, a former basketball player. And so it's a small school, and he's, you know, the big man on campus. And a lot of times when you're talking about small school guys that seem to have, that seem better than everybody else, what lacks is they just don't dominate. And if you look at uh, Parham's year last year, he averaged close to 10 receptions a game, uh, I think he, I think he was at about 1400 yards receiving. I mean, from the tight end position, he just dominated last year. And I would have really liked to see if he could come in, if he could hold his own with his strength. Um, that's really the part I think that he's going to have to improve. Uh, he's going to have to put on some weight. He looks like a basketball player when you see a picture of him, 6'8, 240. So he needs to get a little more, uh, lead in his pants, maybe to, uh, <laughs> get on the field for more than just pass plays, but he, he's probably the snub I would have liked to have seen there. All right. And you just mentioned uh, Preston Williams, obviously, who had the, we'll just say off-field issues uh, that allowed him, or is not allowing him to participate in the combine. You also have Simmons as well. I uh, just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the fact that the NFL is actually for the first time, I think this is actually the first time that these players are allowed to come in and do medicals and interviews with the teams, uh, but they can't actually do anything from the combine. So do you think that really helps them? Uh, obviously getting a chance to interview and everything. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Your guys' thoughts? Um, I, I think it's a good thing for the players. I mean, these guys are young kids. They made mistakes. Um, I think allowing them to interview with the teams that are obviously interested in their talent to play at the next level and giving them a chance to kind of explain themselves. I think that's a good thing. Um, and of course you want all your, all the teams to have the ability to look into their medical history and check them out medically. So, um, I don't really see any downside other than PR Mm -hmm. in this case. So I, I, I definitely like it. Yeah. I, I think they should be allowed to participate in the combine myself. I get that some people do crappy stuff. And just because you don't get to be in the combine, if you're good enough, you're, you're going to make it to the league regardless of whether you're at the combine or not. And people in regular, shitty people in regular jobs get interviews all the time and get hired to do jobs all the time. And to just, you know, it's probably going to be an unpopular view, but to just throw people out of workplaces when something has been put behind them and they're trying to make changes and do better. I get it. If, if you've been burned two, three, four times, uh, you may not, maybe that team, maybe the Browns don't draft somebody with a troubled past mm-hmm. because they had Josh Gordon on their team for so long. Um, I look at it a little more personally as a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. And if everybody judged me on who I was 20 years ago, um, I probably wouldn't be nowhere near where I am right now. And so I think you, you got to let people earn that second chance and that third chance. And sometimes even that fourth chance, depending on what kind of things they do. Right. Yeah. And, and I agree with both of you. I think it's a good thing. I, I'm glad that they're allowing them to at least interview with the team so they can kind of see who's interested in them and allow them to sit down with the teams and, and just go over all that stuff. Uh, Really quick before we move on to some other top prospects that we want to watch, I actually kind of want to get 
both your guys' opinions on Preston Williams, if you guys are cool with that. I know, Dennis, you've been talking about him on the podcast for a couple weeks now. Uh, he seems to be garnering a lot of buzz. Uh, do you guys both like him? Do you think he's going to be – or does he have a chance to jump into, like, say, that top five in this class, top ten? What are, what are your opinions on him? I currently have him, actually, as my 12th overall dynasty, <laughs> dynasty prospect right now. Okay. So I'm definitely very high on him. Uh, you know, compared to some of the other guys at FF Statistics, um, I think from just an athletics profile standpoint and his size, you know, he's a six four guy. I think he could run in the four fours. He's a leaper. He catches with his hands, and I I think he's great off the line. He he shows like one of the better. He 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 has one of the. Um, God damn it! <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> no, you're good. His burst is better than a lot of the guys his size in this class. Um, the way Nikhil Harry comes off the ball, the way Akeem Butler comes off the ball, Kelvin Harmon, they don't—they're not really in Preston Williams' class as far as burst. So I think he definitely has everything that you want to see there. Of course, there's that off-the-field issue, like we just said, um, and he's from a smaller school. You know, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, went to Tennessee, played for Butch Jones, so that kind of writes its own story right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Transferred to Colorado State, where we've seen some other receivers definitely have some su- success, like Rashard Higgins and Michael Gallup. So um, I don't know. I think he he transitions well to the next level, and I think he's going to surprise some people. And he's a diamond in the rough for dynasty players. Yeah, actually, Jared is who turned me on to Preston oh, okay. So I've uh, you know I've watched his video a couple times, and uh, I I like to. I, I think he's going to, you know, since we keep talking about him, we're not going to be able to get him in the fourth round of rookie drafts anymore, right. which is why I took him in the third round of the mock draft that I did here last week. Uh, that and we weren't doing a fourth round, too, and I figured I wanted to get my guy. Uh, I, I think he needs to get a little better on his routes, and once he does that, he's got he catches the ball well, uh, good speed. Lots of bursts, like Jared said, and that's hard when you're when these big guys. That's one of the things I think uh, that they really have to overcome is figuring out how to get off that how to get off the line when you're playing against you know one of the top 64 cornerbacks uh, in the world versus playing against you know a, a Indiana's cornerback that's you know a, a walk on or something like that. So when they come up to the NFL, the, the competition definitely gets a lot steeper. So having Williams be able to get, get away from, from the defensive back at the line and get down the field and, and run crisp routes, definitely going to be a good thing for him. And you said you have him as your uh, number 12 right now overall. What is uh, What does he rank for your wide receivers? Um, let me pull that up real quick. So I got DK Metcalf, number one, Kelvin Harlem, number two, Nikhil Harry, three, A.J. Brown, four, Hakeem Butler, five, and then I have Preston Williams right behind Hakeem Butler there at six. I love the Hakeem Butler at five call. I have him at five, too. I don't have Nikhil Harry up there. I'm not a, I'm not a Harry fan, but uh, the rest of that is pretty, pretty lockstep with what I've got right now. All right, anyways. We'll move on to the top three players at each position that you guys want to see at the combine, whatever it is, just their throwing drills, running, whatever it is, wide receivers, uh, 
wide, I was going to call them wide running backs, wide receivers and running backs, and obviously the tight ends. Who are the top three at each position you guys want to see? We'll start with quarterback, and then we'll move on to the other positions. So I always like to watch the quarterbacks um, throwing, of course, to the receivers. Uh, the shuttle drill is very important. Um, I, I, like, I like to focus in on the footwork portion of the combine when they're in their drops, they're rolling out. I like to see how crisp they are with their feet because that's so important. Last year, Baker Mayfield clearly had the best feet out of all the quarterbacks, and it showed up in, in real-life game situations this year. Warm-up's not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Um, so Drew Locke, Kyler Murray, and Daniel Jones are the guys that I want to watch. Um, I left Dwayne Haskins out because I watched him all year. So yeah, being a Buckeye fan, you know, <laughs> I've seen plenty of him already. Um, but they can all spin it. So um, I like to focus on the little things. So Drew Locke, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones are my three guys. You know, I, I would toss Jones out and I would put Haskins in there just because I, I watch the games from a fan perspective and not from a, an evaluation perspective. And so watching it a little bit closer uh, at the Combine, to see how he does when he's in that spotlight of all 32 teams, uh, what I'd like to see from Haskins and see how his footwork is. He, you know, he's not, he's not terrifically agile, despite what uh, Stephen A. Smith says. Um, and so, but he, he does have a, a great arm and throws with nice anticipation I, I'm probably more interested, I guess, as I as I talk through this, to see Kyler Murray in more traditional dropback situations. You know, not having to run around and make a play uh, to see how he handles the footwork there. You know, I would expect it to be good. Being, uh, I think he played infield in baseball and and being a fast guy, so I would expect it to be good. But is it going to be habit? which is really what you need when you're playing quarterback. Well, I'm going to go off on a, on a, a little tangent here again because I, I don't know Jared's opinion on this, so I'm going to give mine I'm going to ask you. I'm, I'm a big fan of Kyler Murray's. I think that he's going to be good. I don't want to say Dennis isn't a fan of his, but he's not as high on him as I am. Um, I think that he – he gets mislabeled a little bit, and a lot of people say that he's a running quarterback based on the yards that he was able to pile up. I think he's more of a scrambler, and he just takes advantage of that when he can. I obviously understand that when he goes to the NFL, he's not going to be able to outrun most defenders while he's there. We saw that a little bit in the, the playoff game against Alabama, Alabama's defense being able to get to him. But I think he's actually going to be pretty good at the next level. I wouldn't say he's going to be elite, and I, I don't agree with the Baker Mayfield or the Johnny Manziel comparisons, to be honest. I think he's better than Johnny Manziel, but I don't think he's quite Baker, but that still doesn't mean he can't be a good quarterback. Do you like Kyler Murray at all? You think he's going to be good, bad? He's going to end up in baseball five years? What do you think? Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated. 
but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time, marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. And we hope to hear from you soon. I like Kyler Murray. Um, I don't think he has the arm talent, near the arm talent as Baker, but he's also a lot more athletic. So he's able to kind of make up for that a little bit and improvise. Um, he, he, he is a pass first guy from when watching him. Um, you know, he gets to his second read every now and then, but he does like the tuck. Um, I like Kyler. I think, you know, a lot of times I don't think the criticism falls hard enough on the coaches in the NFL. Um, I think you get a guy like Kyler Murray, he's one of the best athletes in this class. I think you have to, you know, design your entire offense about around his strengths and figure out what he's best at and utilize that. I don't, sometimes, you know, these guys take these phenomenal athletes and um, they don't do enough with it and they don't they don't build the offense enough around them. Um, I think Kyler Murray's a guy that you can do that with or you'll need to do that with. And I, I think he can be successful for sure. Yeah, I agree. With you yeah, I think uh, who, whoever drafts Kyler Murray needs to get immediately on the phone to uh, John Harbaugh and ask him, what was your mindset when you recreated your entire offense for this uh, running quarterback? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think he has a little more tools there from a passer standpoint than Lamar Jackson has. Um, so I think there's definitely more that you could do with him. He's a natural thrower. Um, Lamar Jackson, when you watch him, he kind of is a little janky with his windup. Um, Kyler's got a clean, clean release, clean windup there. Um, I don't know. You're not high on him, Dennis? Oh, I, I wouldn't say I'm low on him. Uh, he's just not my kind of quarterback. I uh, he, There's too much risk in it for me is really what it comes down to. I think he throws the ball well. He's very mobile, and I agree. He's he's not a running quarterback. He's a quarterback who's athletic and can run. But I feel like if he makes it, if he's if he's I'm not saying all pro or all star. If he's just a good, solid NFL quarterback, uh, he if if he's a a, a ten year starter, uh, he's going to be the first of his kind. You know, he, he's gonna he's he's small you know and, he is and, small and so it's it's one of those things where the the you know, maybe i'm reading uh pa howdy too much when he's talking about you know you don't want to model your uh hopes on outliers and I, I just feel like you know i'm not saying murray can't be successful or extremely successful I, i'm just saying that based on who he is and and it, it just it's going to be an outlier if he does. Right. I think from a dynasty um, or fantasy football standpoint, you know, I think he should definitely be on everyone's radar just because of the running running floor that he'll give you. You agree? Yes, I do. I don't know about yeah. this. Okay. Uh, so your running backs. Top three running backs you guys want to see this weekend. Top three running backs. Well, unfortunately, we're not going to see Josh Jacobs. You saw that he had that yeah. groin injury pop up. Yes, sir. Yeah, so I, I was excited to see him, but um, I guess we'll have to move on. But Miles Sanders, 
I really want to see him perform like Dennis was saying earlier. He only has that one year on tape, so this will be big for him. Um, another guy, Devin Singletary. F-A-E. You guys looked at him at all? Yes, I, I like Devin Singletary. Oh, my. His tape is so fun to watch. He yes. kind of reminds me of LaShawn McCoy, but just not, not as fast. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely excited to see him. And then um, Elijah Holyfield. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Man, I'm tired of being right. <laughs> yeah, so son of uh, Evander Holyfield, the boxer, uh, the champ. Uh, he runs. He runs like he's he's Evander Holyfield. He, he runs strong. He has wiggle to him. He's compact. He's short. He's low to the ground. So he he already has that low pad level. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what he does at the combine. I still haven't bought into Holyfield yet. I don't know. I, I I have trouble with the amount of production, and I get that there's a bunch of running backs there that are all that are all productive. Um, but when I look at last year at Georgia, and they had Chubb and they had Michelle, they were really productive. And when I look at Holyfield and the guys they had this year, you know, I, I feel like there there was. Some production left wanting there. Um, I want to see uh, uh, Divine is Ozigbo, but they didn't invite him, which is a, a, a real snub job there. Yeah, that's a shame. So, you know, he he looked he looked so good at the Senior Bowl, and just agile with burst and seemed to have good vision. And so I'm gonna spend my. Uh, you know, my combine watch in Pouton. It'll be inter- interesting. You know, I mentioned Quadri Allison uh, earlier. Um, you know, he's definitely a late-round guy that could come in and, you know, be a Josh Adams type, I think. You know, he's got to land in the right spot and just get an opportunity through, probably through injury because draft capital isn't going to be there for him. And so he's going to have to, to get to be patient. So it'll be nice to see how he measures, how he tests. You know, is Bryce Love going to be able to do anything or, or not? He's still coming back from the knee injury, right? Yeah, he's right. still hurt. Yeah, he won't. He tore his ACL, so he probably count him out. Yeah. Wide receivers. Wide receivers. I like Emmanuel Hall from Missouri. Have you guys watched much of him? I haven't. No. So I watched a little bit. It is, you know, if he can get past the injury bug. Right. He's he's been injured most of his college career, uh, but he's another taller guy. Um, he's slim. He is fast. I think he could probably run in the four threes, low four fours. Um, he, he's said to be a burner. So I'm interested to see him because when I watch his tape, little tape that's on him because he's always hurt. Uh, he come he comes in and is in and out of his breaks, uh, very clean for his size. So interested to see him. Andy Isabella from Cleveland, Ohio. I think he might have the fastest forty at the combine. It's gonna be Paris Campbell, but continue. <laughs> hey, either way, I'll be happy. <laughs> nah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, and then Riley Ridley. A lot of people hate him in our Twitter universe. I'm one of well, them. <laughs> the data, the data guys hate him. The numbers guys, but um, 
I don't know. I I, I want to see how he does at the combine. Um, his tape's pretty good, so we'll see. No, I'm uh I'm interested to see uh, Anthony Johnson of Buffalo playing with uh was it Tyreek Jackson? Tyreek yeah, Jackson. Jackson. You know yeah. who who's big and athletic, but really quite unrefined. So it'll be interesting to see how how Jan- Johnson's game takes the next step when he's uh, out there with some better quarterbacks. Will he be able to, to hold his own out there? I'm not a, I, I'm a, and I don't know if it goes back to my uh, team big wide receiver bias or not, but I, I've had all the Hunter Renfro I can take. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a Hunter fan. I, I just, you know, I, I think he's a, he's a, a smaller, not as good, Cole Beasley. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking, too. <laughs> and I know you don't want the Cowboys to re-sign Beasley, so he's just another guy. Yeah, that is Dennis' takes on Dennis's take on Cole Beasley. Do you guys have any tight ends that you guys want to see uh, this weekend? I mean, the big three, right? Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, and Irv Smith. Um, those are the big three for me. I like Sternburner yes. as well. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean his pr- production. He had the he had the most production out of all the tight ends, or the highest market share out of all the tight ends in this in this class. Uh, so you have to look at that. I, I like him. I think he's a productive. He's a big guy, strong guy. He can really do it all for you. I, I don't know why he's not getting getting more uh, publicity. I guess. Yeah, I think that might change. I think this it's weekend. one of those. Seasons where uh, there's a lot of depth at the tight end, and it's really um, and some of the guys are, are really really good, and so it's easy for that second or third tier of guys to get lost a little bit in uh, the big three. I, I'm curious. I, I want to see Isaac Noada and see how how he does. Um, I think he had some injury issues when he was at Georgia, if I remember correctly. Um, but he somebody, seems like he's he's a pretty good receiver. Yeah, somebody took him in a mock draft we were doing on Twitter, and his dad tweeted at us and said, "Hey, he took a he took the right one there." <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's pretty funny. All right, so now I just kind of want to get some thoughts from you guys on some individual prospects that I like. Uh, well, most of the guys I like. There's one guy I'm not that high on that everybody else is, but I just kind of want to get your guys' individual thoughts on everybody. And we're going to start with one of my favorite wide receivers in this class, and that's Akeem Butler. Yeah, so Butler, I mean, right off the bat, when you watch him, you, you can tell he's a physical freak, right? He seems to always be coming down with the big play for Iowa State, breaking tackles. Guys are just falling off of him. So I think he's going to test better than people think in the strength category. Uh, even though he's a lengthier guy, I think he's going to do all right at the bench press. Um a lot of people are hesitant on him because he didn't break out until his junior year. But, I mean, he, he showed out this year. I think he had a 45% market share in their reception touchdowns and 43% dominator rating. So that's that's tops in the class. So um, for how big he is, the way he's able to move his body and his catch radius is huge. Uh, I don't know. I think the sky's the limit for this dude. Yeah, I think think Butler. You know, it's it's fun to watch the videos of him out there working with Calvin Johnson, 
So I don't know if that means Calvin wants to become a coach or if Butler is willing to take coaching from just about anybody if they uh, have some cachet. So either one of those things could be pretty good. And, you know, I'm, uh, Calvin's a, a Detroit Lions fan from my childhood and uh, adopted the Browns when I moved to Ohio. I know losing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Butler, the strength, I think, is going to be a, an issue for him for as big as he is. Uh, if he if he's easy to push around, there's been a lot lot more bigger wide receivers coming into the league, and to play catch up, there's been a lot more bigger defensive backs, and so if Butler doesn't have the strength to hold up to that. That's going to put him a, at a market disadvantage, and so uh, I like him a lot. I think he's got a lot of talent, you know. But there's what the question about well, how come he couldn't beat out uh, Alan Lazard? You know what's going on there, so we'll see. You know, it's a it's one of those one year guys, and so right. those can uh, those can be kind of iffy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those guys with one year production profiles are hard to hard to bank on. You know, like Peter Howard says, those are those outlier seasons. You like the guys, you like the guys that have a you know a bigger portfolio in the production categories. Well, speaking of one-hit wonders, we'll move into one of my favorite running backs then, Miles Sanders. Your guys' thoughts on him? <laughs> well, I mean, when you back up Saquon Barkley, there's not much uh, else to say. You Is know? he good? Was Barkley good? <laughs> I I think I'm, not, I'm not sure. He's pretty good. <laughs> but um, he had 25% of Penn State's total yards, so quarter of the, quarter of the offense went through him. Uh, All-around guy. When you watch him, he can block. He can catch. They probably should have used him more in the receiving game, honestly, when you watch him. I agree. He made some catches where he just kind of looked natural doing it. Um, and then he can run the ball and make guys miss. So he's a guy I think you can leave on the field for all three downs. Um, I expect him to probably go in the third or fourth round because you kind of know what you're getting with him. But I expect him to test probably in the middle of the road. It'd be awesome if he can get in the four fours, but I don't think he, I don't think he will. But Coming out of high school, a lot of guys were talking about how fast this guy is, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just didn't see it. If he can show out at the combine, he's definitely going to help his draft stock, of course. To to compare notes, uh, Saquon Barkley is no Alan Lazard, that's for sure. <laughs> so to ha- to have uh, to not get a whole lot of touches behind uh, Saquon Barkley is is a testament to Saquon Barkley. Um, it's kind of it shows how good a teammate he is and the kind of dedication he has that he didn't just get upset because Barkley was there and transfer. Uh, he he didn't go all Tate Martell on him, and uh, so he he stuck it out and he kept getting better and he kept working and trying to push Barkley as hard as he could. So I think he's got a really strong mental makeup, which is going to play very well in the interview process. Um, yeah, it'd be great if he had more production those first couple years. But when you're behind, you know, uh, a back like Saquon Barkley, it, it's easy to see um, what happened there. So I think Sanders is gonna he's gonna get an opportunities. He he needs to land in the right spot, uh, get an an offense that will give him the ball. I think that's we're running we're starting to watch uh, offenses evolve a little bit, and they're not. They're not uh, running the ball 
as much. It's it's becoming uh, much more of a passing league over the past few years. Uh, by few, I mean twenty ish, I guess. Hmm. And and so that that sort of it, it's like closers in baseball. You know, positions are getting very specialized. Whether it's slot receivers or move tight ends or uh, you know third down backs, it, it's it's starting to get a little bit like that, and I think that can uh, hamper production sometimes for for backs uh, or other positions, I guess. But yeah, I'd like I think Sanders is definitely a quality back. What about Joshua Jacobs? Before we move on to a couple of wide receivers, Josh Jacobs, you know. He, I fell in love with his film when I was watching him. I mean, his ability to explode and change directions with force is probably best in this running back class. Um, he split with Damian Harris this year mm-hmm. and last year. So, I mean, the, the numbers and the, the market share values aren't quite as high as you'd like to see. Uh, he, he saw 33% of Alabama's rushing touchdowns. So, you know, they like to use him in the red zone. So he obviously has um, an eye for the paint. Uh, He's one of the youngest backs in the class. He's 21. So teams are obviously going to like that. And as fantasy guys, you know, we like that. So um, I think, I think he'll go in the third round. Honestly, I think a lot of people are pretty high on like too high on him right now. I think just the way you, devaluation of the running back position is going um i think it's going to drop him and then of course i don't know how severe this groin issue is but if this gets worse or doesn't get any better um he'll probably fall a little bit yeah he's definitely gonna have to really impress in the interviews and on the chalkboard i think because he did have he, he did share the backfield with so many other quality backs and so he didn't have that high level of production but if he can come out there and show that he really understands and knows the game and then uh, at his pro day if he can kill it at his pro day I think that'll go a long way he's he's a quality back very good is it though you know is he going to fall prey to somebody the whole well, he didn't get a lot of work in college, so we can't give him a lot of work in the pros. We're going to have to always pair him with somebody. That group thing kind of sets in sometimes. And when you see people who, who didn't, who don't get a, a lot of touches in college and they look like they should be able to handle it. Um, but they just never, it just never pans out that they get the amount of work or, or maybe when they do, they get dinged up. And because they haven't had that amount of work in college, they, they, it takes them a while to figure out uh, what's a nick and what's a real injury. Right. I mean, he kind of reminds me of uh, Kenny and Drake when he was at Alabama. You know, he, right. he saw that similar treatment. Um, but, I mean, from just the film perspective, like his highlights are probably the best running back highlights in this class. Do you guys agree? Or what, do you, what, are, your, what are your thoughts, Matt? <sighs> I mean, I, st- I have him as one of the better backs. I have him at, at five right now behind David Montgomery. Oh, man, I can't even remember who my list is now, so I'm going to sound like an idiot here trying to figure out where I had him because I don't remember. But uh, I'm just a little torn on the fact that he wasn't able – he looked great when he was on the field, but it was just such a small sample size it worries me a little bit that he wasn't able to do more 
and and that's just kind of my biggest fear. I know a lot of people out there comparing him to Alvin Kamara. I just don't see that. Um, and I'm, I'm worried that that's kind of what you were just saying, that everybody's kind of jumped on this train since everybody started comparing him to Alvin Kamara because all people do is look at the highlights. Now, he doesn't have many lowlights, but I think you have to take those into consideration, and that's what worries me a little bit. So while I was uh, delaying the process there. So for mine, like right now I have David Montgomery, Darrell, Darrell or Darrell, I'm horrible at names, but uh, Henderson out of Memphis, Rodney Anderson, and Miles Sanders, and Josh Jacobs. That's my tier one of this group. Those are all the guys I think could be elite. And and I think Josh Jacobs could be the best. I'm just a little worried because I haven't seen enough of it. Rightfully so. No, rightfully so. For sure. Which I want to ask your opinion real quick because I know, I know how Dennis feels about Rodney Anderson. He likes him, but he's worried about the injury history. I think I saw you mention that before as well on Twitter that you like him, his game. You're just worried about the, the multiple serious knee injuries he had. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that injury profile's pretty scary. Yeah. But when he did play, I mean, the dude is a tank. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like weigh your risk. You know, what's your risk profile? But his ceiling, I mean, his ceiling is very high. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget how good he was a couple of years ago when he was the, the lead guy there with Baker at Oklahoma. So we've done quite a bit of talking about DK Metcalf. So I'm just going to go ahead and skip him. We all, like I said, we've seen the pictures. Everybody's been kind of on him since they saw the picture. Now everybody's kind of starting to remember exactly how good he could be and his, his ceiling. The last wide receiver I want to touch on is a guy that um, I thought was misused a little bit at Ohio State, just like Terry McLaurin as well. Uh, but I want to talk about Paris Campbell. I've, I've obviously said multiple times on here I think he's going to be the fastest at the combine uh, this week. Uh, your guys' thoughts on him? Do you think he can translate to the next level and be an explosive weapon? Yeah, I mean, Paris Campbell, when you think about him, it's, of course, his speed. He's got that track speed. It's on another level. So, I mean, you could be right. He probably He'll probably be in the top five fastest guys at the combine for sure. Uh, he's electric with the football. I mean, his ability to make guys miss is impressive too. He's not just straight line fast, but once he gets going, you're not catching him. Um, he's one of those guys that the way the offenses are changing in the NFL, I think he could be a great tool for you to have in your arsenal to run on those jet sweeps and misdirection plays. Um, he's a guy that I'd love for the for the Browns to target, honestly. Oh, I'm right there um, with you. Yeah, the way – the way Kitchens runs his offense, he loves to run those different misdirection plays, run guys across face of the line to get the defense thinking. Um, he's a guy you can just pitch the ball to and get you five to six yards, throw, throw wide receiver screens to him. Um, I think that's going to be his play style at the next level. I don't think he's a guy that's going to go out and beat you on hooks or comebacks and play the X on the outside. He's going to He's a guy you're, you're going to want in the slot. Dennis, anything to add? For me, that's the big issue that I have, is that he, uh, he's he got all of the speed, and you can't really, he's not made to be that outside receiver. So, yes, he's going to be this dynamic weapon, but will he be a great receiver? And I think he really has to show a lot of growth in that area. Uh, and that's what's going to hold him back, is being able to coming out of Ohio State's offense where he didn't play, uh, didn't run a lot of routes, didn't do a lot of things. And, you know, he's fast. There's no doubt about that. Can he get by with a few screen passes and, a, you know, a few jet sweeps? I, I don't know. That that That's definitely not the, the kind of fantasy production you want out of him. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, I'd probably stay away from him. Um, Shit. Erroneous! Erroneous! Erroneous on both counts! I feel like... I won't be able to. Yeah, neither <laughs> will I. <laughs> I feel like from just, you know, football, NFL game, you know what you're getting with him. So if you're going to draft him, you obviously have something in mind for him. He's he's a utility player. I don't think he's going to be some stud wide receiver. All right, so now the big debate at tight end, and I'm probably going to butcher both their names because I've heard it said multiple different ways everywhere, but Hawkinson and – is it Fant or Font? Because I hear it both ways. I always say Font, but then I'm corrected and told that it's Fant. Yeah, I haven't heard Font before, oh, okay. but I've heard Fant. Well, we'll just That's go with Fant then. All right, so Hawkinson or Fant? I have been on Fant from the beginning. I, I think he's going to be better than Hawkinson, but it seems like everybody is now coming around to saying that Hawkinson is going to be the better tight end. Who is your guys' pick out of the Iowa tight ends that seem to be the best two tight ends in this class this year? Yeah, I think these guys are definitely one and two at the tight end position. I'm starting to lean more towards Hawkinson, just simply on the blocking ability. I mean, this guy is a mean, mad blocker. <laughs> I saw you tweet um, that. Man. Yeah, so I've been watching them a little more. Kind of, you know, you guys, you guys said that we'd probably be talking about them. So I hadn't really had a chance to go through the tight ends as much yet. So when watching Hawkinson, he's a much better. More polished blocker than Fant, so I think that'll get him on the field quicker. Uh, tight ends, you know, at the next level, they take a year or two, sometimes three, to really get going. Um, so I'm probably not going to be investing any fantasy stock in them. I might try to buy low after one after one year or or two. Uh, we'll see. Um, but I mean, they're, they're both athletic freaks. Freaks. Fant probably is a little, a little better of an athlete uh, for sure. So uh, their numbers are going to be cool to compare after the combine's over. Yeah, I, I like Hawkinson just because I think he's going to get more playing time. Um, I don't know if that's going to necessarily be good or bad, uh, as tight end is one of the positions that is a little slower to develop in the NFL. So getting out there sooner um, may I, – I could see Hawkinson being – sort of being pushed into that, hey, just just learn to block. Don't worry about that because you're the better blocker. And Fant being pushed to the, well, you're a better receiver, so just worry about that part of it. And then Hawkinson growing into the receiver more so than Fant growing into the two-way tight end role. Um, but I, I like Hawkinson a lot. I, I just think that uh, he's not, you know, it's really, he's, he's not as athletic as Fant, but He's still really athletic, and so yeah. he's 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 a good tight end. He's a real good receiver. He can run with the ball, and and he's he's got a little mean streak in him. Yeah, I think when you watch him, I don't know. Hawkinson just looks smoother at the tight end position than Fant to me. Fant just kind of seems a bit mechanical sometimes. Um, I don't know. It's just Detroit Lions Eric Ebron. No Fant. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, Ebron before last year, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like Hawkinson more than Fan at this point. But I guess. Of course, draft capital will di- dictate that. 
So before we move on to, before we close out the combine part and move on to Cleveland Browns questioning, which just so you guys all know, I'm extremely jealous because Jared here has season tickets to the Cleveland Browns and all I can ever do Super is get Bowl. to, oh God, 2019, well, I'll be getting more, 2020, it's coming to 2020, 2019, we're going to at least make the playoffs. But uh, living in Texas, obviously, I do not get to get up there very often to see games. So I'm very jealous about the fact that you're a season ticket holder. But before we get to the Browns questions, so anybody who doesn't care about the Browns can turn it off, although everybody knows you're going to listen because we're going to talk about Baker, the touchdown maker, and the best team in the NFL. Is there anything you guys want to talk about combine-wise before we close out the combine preview? I think we covered an awful lot. Yeah, no, I'm, I don't I don't really have anything else, really. <laughs> All right. Well, that works for me. That's, That's perfectly right, fine. So on to the Cleveland Browns, which is, again, the team I have, you know, well, I, say, I should say unfortunately – grew up rooting for when I was younger. It's been awesome here, at least for this past year. The two prospects, the two draft prospects you would like to see the Browns draft. It can be anywhere in the draft. You know, you can give me any kind of scenario. It really doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, we all know they're not going to get, you know, Nick Bosa or anybody like that. But there's two prospects you think could realistically fall to the Browns that you would love to see them draft. So being the fan, I'd love to see us grab more guys that could produce points, right? So I'd love to see... DK Metcalf or Nikhil Harry falling to us. That'd be sweet. Um, but do we need it? Do we want to invest a, a high draft pick in a receiver? I'm not sure. Um, I, I think if I'm being smart, I'd love to see us invest in another defensive back or a corner like Greedy Williams or Byron Murphy from Washington. Mm-hmm. I think those guys are two studs and probably easily the top two at the position in the class. Um, we do have a need at offensive tackle. So if we went that way, it's not sexy, but I think it's it would be a smart pick if they feel that the right guy is there. Yeah, I, I think in the first round, if Greg Little falls down to them, that that's the way I'd like to see him go. Um, if you have ever seen my picture, you'll know I think fat guys are sexy. <laughs> um, so grabbing Greg Little... No I, more know, Greg the, Littles, dude. Come on. <laughs> I, I know that. I know they just re-signed uh, Robinson. Yeah. And I was a little hopeful watching Harrison when he first got in there after you know leaving college and going and working uh, in a factory or a warehouse or whatever for a year or two. So I feel like there is potential for some in-house tackle to improve. So if Cody Ford of Oklahoma fell there and they took a guard instead of a tackle, you know, uh, just keeping the offensive line ever since the Joe Thomas era has been one of our our strengths. And I think we need to really keep that up. We've got good wide receivers with um, Landry and Callaway and Higgins, uh, really good running backs with Duke and Chubb and Hunt and Joku's a great tight end. We're in a position where keeping Baker healthy and upright and giving him great weapons is really the needs to be the focus. We have a, a good defense, though. The numbers didn't seem to bear that out last year. So if they went defensive back in the second round, you know, I, I wouldn't wouldn't be unhappy there uh it'll be interesting to sort of watch what they do in free agency because they got a, a ton of money to spend so i you know i'd like to see him 
whether it's an offensive lineman via draft or whether it's an offensive lineman via free agency, they need to bring in high level talent. They need to not be bargain shopping there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I like the signing of Greg Robinson. I thought he did really good when they when they finally kind of cemented him as the starter there. I think it was like two or three games that Baker went without getting sacked. So I, I like the fact that they brought him back. The offensive line was kind of openly campaigning for them to bring him back earlier in the offseason. So I'm glad that they did that. Uh, I'm with you guys. I, I would like to see them go defensive heavy. Uh, I think that's, the, in my opinion, the part of the team that lacks most besides uh, special teams and kicker. Uh, I think that defense is where they kind of need to go. I would not like to see them draft a kill Harry because I'm not a Harry fan, but I'd love them to take Butler or Metcalf if that's possible. Um, but you, you mentioned both those, Jared, obviously. My question to you, um, there's a lot of people who don't think that the Browns wide receivers are that good. Do you, Are you on that train? Because I actually kind of like our wide receiver core. I mean, could Callaway be a little bit better? Yeah, but I thought Higgins, he's good for what he is. He, I thought, proved himself in some of the biggest moments last year. And then, obviously, I know Dennis is not a fan of, of Jarvis. I, I think Jarvis is good. I, I don't think he's that great of an outside wide receiver where he seems to want to play. But I think when he needs to step up, he did a pretty good job as well last year. Yeah, I mean, I love Jarvis Landry. I, I think he brings so much more than what he puts out on the field. I think He's a leader in the locker room. Um, that was evident during Hard Knocks. Yeah. Um, I think he's a definite, definitely a core piece to the future here. Um, but we got our quarterback, so I mean, well, I think we do, right? No, <laughs> we, don't we, we have our quarterback. But I mean, no thinking, no thinking. He's there. He's the Super Bowl winner in twenty twenty. He's the man. He's the man. So I think that alone is going to pick up everybody on the in the wide receiver core. So. The great quarterbacks in this league, you know, they're able to play with not – they don't have to have those top-notch wide receivers at every position. You know, they make the guys around them better, and I think we have guys already in place that can do the job well. So uh, Callaway definitely showed some tools last year. He needs to work on catching the ball. Shard yeah. um, Higgins needs to stay healthy. But, I mean, that dude – Holy crap. I mean, I, I didn't think he was going to make the team his rookie year. Oh, wait, he did get cut, didn't he? Yeah, he For did. a little bit? Yeah, he ended up on their practice squad and then got called up. I don't remember who we get. That year, they suffered so many injuries. I remember he, well, that was obviously kind of this year as well with the injuries they suffered at the wide receiver position, starting with Higgins. But yeah, they, they called him up and then he's been with the team since. Yeah, I, I've loved his, um, the way he's really come along here with us. Uh, he was super productive in college. Um, so I don't know. I think we're all right. Bashar Perryman, I mean, he surprised everybody last year too. So yeah. didn't, didn't he though? Jeez. Yeah. I mean, that guy was high draft pick, all the talent in the world. Maybe he just needed the right environment around him. And maybe Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry are, you know, two of the cogs in that wheel. Uh, well, just for the record, I am a fan of Jarvis Landry, the slot receiver. Yeah, yeah. I know Jarvis that, yeah. Landry, the outside receiver, that I, I'm not too keen on. And the, the issue I think that will arise is Jarvis wants to be the outside guy and get paid like an outside guy. Uh, and, and I just don't think he can consistently produce there. Well, I'm going to put you guys both on the spot real quick. If they only can re-sign one wide receiver, Rashard Higgins or Brashad Perriman, which would you rather see? Higgins. I'd rather see Higgins. I think okay. Perriman, uh, you know, I think that role can be replaced. He's the burner on the outside, taking the top off the defense. 
he made some big plays last year, but I think he's replaceable more so than Higgins. I agree. I just didn't, I didn't know if, you, if both you guys liked Higgins as much as I did as well. Uh, Dennis, since we've obviously both already talked about the Chubb and Hunt news, uh, we'll let Jared take this one. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, on the Hunt thing, good or bad? Uh, what do you think? How do you like the backfield possibly shaping up as uh, as him and, I mean, we'll just assume by week, let's say latest week 10, I would assume with the, any kind of suspension, he'll be back by week 10, uh, the backfield of Hunt, Chubb, and I guess Johnson now as well. Uh, back to your thoughts on those guys. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously none of us condone what Hunt did, <laughs> right? No, yeah. I don't. But from a business standpoint, I think it was a great move. I I don't think they're not going to sell any less tickets because of signing Hunt. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, people are going to go to games if we're winning. Uh, you know, for the price tag that we got him at <laughs> and what he could pay off with down the road as far as value goes, I think it's huge. Mm-hmm. So if he gets suspended eight games, comes back week nine, week ten, um, and it shows out and we start giving him the rock, could we move him, possibly get a first-round pick, second-round pick? I think people would pay that price or we just yeah. keep him, right? Yeah. So. I think it's, I think it's a high upside move. Yeah, and I mean, I think Dennis, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's actually what we both talked about. We thought it would be great for him to kind of come in around that time. You know, as a as a Chubb owner in many dynasty leagues, I wouldn't like it that much, obviously, because you'd lose a lot of value with him fantasy wise. But I'd like it for the Browns. Uh, and then we both talked about the fact that obviously he'll become an unrestricted free agent, which means the Browns will still own his rights. And then exactly what you just pointed on, if they're able to turn around and trade him for a first or second round pick, I mean, that's just you, you spent a million dollars, and you, you so you're in all essence buying a pick like we did with Brock Osweiler a couple of years ago. And I'm going to trust John Dorsey when it comes to the draft and doing that. So, so I agree with you. And I know Dennis said the same thing. It was a great business move, and you're right. I mean, none of us, none of us condone what he did off the field, but uh, for a Browns business move, it was a great move on their part. Yeah, for sure. Do you think we were just talking about Mr. Baker, the touchdown maker? How much do you think he can improve going into 2019, or do you think he needs to? I mean, well, I guess I shouldn't say you think because everybody can improve in some way. Uh, but do you think he can take a big step forward next year? Or do you think he's going to be kind of the guy that we all saw last year throughout most of the season? Warm-ups, not really. But when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Uh, I think year two in any system is always a big, big leap year for any good quarterback. I mean, he's going to be more comfortable with what Kitchens is calling, what Kitchens is trying to do. He's probably going to be a lot better at his checks. You know, uh, he'll be able to focus on the little things as opposed to just trying to get the grasp of the offense. Um, so I think he's going to take a huge step forward this year. I'm I'm trying to get as many shares of him as I can. <laughs> I hear you. I've tried <laughs> to do that all last year. All last year, I did everything I could to try and get as many shares of him as I could. Um, yeah. Real quick, yeah, what was your favorite moment of the Brown season last year? Do you have one? My favorite moment is probably when Baker came in for Tyrod. Um, my wife was actually in labor. Oh, really? <laughs> we have a five-month-old little girl. Um, so we're in the hospital watching the game, and then like Baker comes in. We're like, oh, my God, yeah, here we go. Cleveland deserves a win, um, but we're not done yet. So... Don't break the dilly-dilly coolers too hard. Uh, just enjoy it. We deserve it, but at the same time, we're, we're just getting started. And uh, he led us back against the Jets. Like, that was, I mean, that was 
awesome. I'll yeah. never forget that. And the doctor was in there watching with us. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, man. Yeah, I, I just – well, before I – Dennis, do you have a favorite moment from the season last year? It was right then. There, When he came in after Taylor went out, there were a couple throws that he made that – just showed the difference between him and Taylor. Taylor's got a great uh, completion percentage, in part because he's not going to make those throws. He's not going to try to put it, fit the ball into a 12-inch square window or fit it over uh, certain defensive backs. And Baker just went in there and wasn't afraid to make a mistake. Uh, he, he, I think he feels like, uh, he, there's a little Mike March mentality in there. Okay, we turn it over. We'll just get it on the next one. And yes, he tries to to do good things, but he doesn't let making a he doesn't let something like an interception ruin what's going on. I think his biggest, you know, he's sixty just under sixty four percent completion. So if he bumps that up four or five percent, gets up in the sixty seven, sixty eight, sixty nine percent. You know, that's going to really uh, improve his numbers over the course of, of a season, get him up over 30 touchdowns. Uh, he, he had 14 interceptions, so he does got to rein that in a little bit. But I, I think he, if he takes that next step like uh, top-tier quarterbacks do from year one to year two, it's going to be a very exciting year to be a Cleveland Browns fan. For yeah, sure. for sure. I'd be interested to see what his completion percentage would have, would have been if guys would actually just catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, wonder how many, I think we led the league in drops. I don't know, though. I don't know. Somebody correct me I'm if I'm sure, wrong. Uh, no, I'm, I don't know if we led the league or not. I'd have to look, but I know we're up there. Like I said, me and Dennis have talked about it multiple times. I mean, Antonio Callaway, through almost the entire first half of the season, was dropping balls that were right in his hands. I mean, one of my biggest complaints about Jarvis, as much as I love him, is he's too often trying to make those nice one-handed catches instead of using both hands to just catch the ball. So uh, I'm right there with you. I think for me, I mean, that Jets game is right up there. I mean, I again, I wasn't in Cleveland. All I got to do was see everything on Twitter and, and Facebook and everything, how crazy everything was when he, when he was able to pull off that win. Um, for me, I think the Falcons game was probably one of my favorite moments, just seeing them kind of bounce back after – I think it was three or four straight losses and, and tough losses to the Buccaneers game where they should have won. I think they played it was the Steelers and Chiefs maybe where I think both games were they weren't that great. The Browns just kind of looked out of it and then they came back and beat an Atlanta Falcons team that nobody expected us to beat. Uh, and then uh, in all honesty, my favorite moment was the Denver Broncos game because I, I was actually able to go. My parents live in Denver. They bought tickets. I flew up there just for the game and just to kind of see Baker struggle that entire game but make enough plays and then obviously the pepper sack at the end there just seeing you know I've talked to Dennis about it Jared there were so many Browns fans there it was ridiculous I don't know if you guys could see it on TV but being there I mean it was packed full of Browns fans and just seeing the excitement from all those Browns fans with that win and obviously we we're still in the playoff hunt at that moment obviously that went away the next day with the wins that uh, I think the Ravens and Steelers both won uh, but it was just awesome to see that it is awesome to see Browns fans kind of alive again because it's been a long time since I've seen that oh yeah man <clears throat> it feels so good yeah um <laughs> what uh have you, do you ever come up for games it's the last time I was in Cleveland was probably four years ago and I, I though we went to um what was it? We went to Berea for a little bit. Obviously, this was the last time I was actually at Berea was uh, Josh Cribbs was still there because he signed a football for us. So I, I don't remember when that would have been. It would have been the year before he ended up 
whether I can't remember if they cut him or they did, whatever happened. His contract, they didn't pay him. Uh, but I got his football signed by him. That was actually the last time that I've been up to Cleveland and seen a game. I've seen him obviously down here. Uh, and we went to the game where they played the Texans. I've obviously seen him in Cowboy Stadium. And then, like I said, I went and saw him in Denver last year. But it's been a long time since I've been able to make it up to Cleveland for a game. Yeah, dude, you'll have to come up this this year if you can. Oh, I'll uh, win. We should, we'll tailgate and go to a game. And When they make the playoffs, I'm, I will be there. I will do everything in my power. I will If I have to drive up there that Saturday or <laughs> Sunday, whatever it is, the 20-plus hours it takes to get there from Texas, I will be there for the first playoff game at First Energy Stadium. Yeah, I mean, what it, like part of Texas are you in? I'm sorry? What part of Texas are you in? I live in Fort Worth. I was born in, uh, in Cleveland. I lived in Middleburg Heights uh, for most of my young life, and then my parents moved down here. We moved down here with them, obviously, because I was like eight years old. And uh, ever since then, I've lived here. Uh, my par- and Now most of my family lives in Denver, Colorado, uh, and I'm still here stuck in Texas, mostly because I like the weather. Uh, like me and Dennis have talked about, I don't know if I could survive the the eight months of winter up there for the most part, but I, I miss it, man. It's it's hard. It's hard not to not to be there. To be honest with you, <laughs> is that far from Austin? Uh, it's about a three hour drive, give or take, uh, depending okay. on how fast you want I'll to be drive. In Austin in, in June. Oh yeah, yeah, bachelor party. Oh nice, dude. It's it's awesome, man. I'm assuming you guys are going to Sixth Street, which is uh is a very fun time if you've never been. I've never been, so should be fun. Oh yeah, plane tickets are expensive though. Yeah, yeah. I, I can understand. Sorry, that. we're off topic now. No, that's all right. <laughs> it's a, me, me and Dennis get off topic quite often. Sometimes we just usually talk about different stuff. So, very early predictions. How do you guys think the Browns' season is going to shake out uh, next year? So, for uh, just however you guys think it's going to shake out next year, and then that's how we'll kind of end the podcast for tonight. Uh, if we don't make the playoffs, I'll be disappointed. I think next year. Um, someone posted yes uh, a couple days ago. I think we're at 20, our 23rd in strength of schedule, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, the people you play have a lot to do with how, <laughs> how yeah. good of a season you have, of course. Um, so uh, if we don't make the playoffs, I don't know. I think that's a, that's a loss, right? I mean, I, I think, think everybody's so. expecting us to make the playoffs next year. At least Browns fans are, right? Yeah. Dennis? Well, I think it's a great opportunity for the Browns to be able to climb up the ladder. Uh, Cincinnati seems to be falling apart. They can't hire a defensive coordinator. Uh, they finally got one, but, uh, you know, with Dalton coming back off an injury and A.J. Green coming off an injury, the Ravens are having to retool their offense. We'll see what Lamar does next year. And then, uh, you know, the, the – Pittsburgh soap opera that's going on in Pittsburgh. So I I would, I I feel pretty comfortable that we have a great opportunity to win the division and make the playoffs, not just as a wild card team, but actually to win the division. Mm -hmm. Um, The everything is in place. You got a, a, a great leader in Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry. You know, some strong defensive pieces with Miles Garrett and Joe Schobert. Uh, it's a little man. worrisome that, you know, they were really pl- – the defense seemed to be playing well under Greg Williams, but we'll see what happens with the new guy in there. I like Wilkes, man. I think he'll be all right. I, he, like I said, um, I know we talked about it before. Every, every year he was the defensive coordinator in Carolina. It was a top-10 defense, I think. So I think I think he'll be yeah. able to get Garrett and Schobert and Ward and all those guys going. They'll be all right. 
Yeah, I just worry about some of the guys falling out of place a little bit because obviously we drafted, you know, like your Bill Preppers to play a certain role in Greg Williams' defense. So a little little skeptical on how some of those guys are going to fit. But, like, if you're a good coach, you know, you you find a way to make make it work. Um, Yeah, I'm definitely excited for next year. Just got to win at home, steal a few on the road, and we'll be right there. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I was listening to actually the, the Cleveland and Beyond podcast, which is part of our network. Uh, they always do a good job. And one of the interesting things I thought they brought up was the fact that uh, this will kind of be the first season that the Browns are going into with expectations. Everybody, like you were just saying, Jared, is expecting them to make the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how Freddie and Baker are able to handle those expectations and if they disappoint or if they're able to live up to it. But uh, I'm right there with you. I don't want to get too excited just yet. But I think it, it would, in all honesty, be a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. I think this the division, for the first time in a long time, is up for grabs for them. I think everybody has taken a step back while they've been moving forward the past couple of years. And I really think they've got a shot to win this division. Even if they don't win the division, if they can get a wild card, I'd be happy with that. I didn't Amen, say brother. I'd be happy. Huh, I got you. Last You're thing. just a realist. Yeah. Well, that's I like to live in fantasy land. You know, the last time I saw the Browns make the Super Bowl was like a couple weeks ago on Madden 19. I'd like to see it in person if that, if at all possible. <laughs> I want to get uh, your guys' thoughts real quick uh, before I know I said I was going to end the podcast right there, but uh, since you guys are both Buckeyes fans like myself, uh, real quick before we end it because we're we're almost here at our at our hour and a half mark. Justin is it, I always get his first name wrong. Fields, it's Justin Fields, right? Is it Justin Fields? Yeah, you got it right. Okay. I always feel like I'm saying that I'm giving him the wrong first name. Uh, Justin Fields and uh, Ryan Day, how you guys think these guys are going to do the first year at Ohio State? We contending this year? I mean, I'd obviously love to go back to another national championship game, uh, but I don't feel like that's possibly in the cards this year. How do you guys think Ohio State's going to shake out? I I like Fields. I mean, I think he's a perfect fit. I don't see our offense changing much from what we had under Urban Meyer. I mean, Day was running the thing, so um, he's a perfect fit for what they're trying to do. He can run the ball, he can throw. Uh, way better passer than what we had with Barrett <laughs> before Haskins. Right. So I think he's a better athlete than both of those guys. Um, I think he's going to tear it up. So I like the wide receiver we're bringing in. Uh, he should be a freshman. I forget his name, but he's a beast at in the red zone. He can go up and get it like – another receiver that we have right now so i wouldn't be surprised if he started uh next year um we got victor coming back um i don't know i i I think i think we're gonna be right there again just like we always are um just can't lose you can't you can't get disappointed again you know like purdue like that that was was terrible you can't let that kind of shit happen no, you're all right. I'll just mark it as explicit content. I cuss all the time. Dennis knows you're, you, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah, I'm a sailor, so I've been holding it in. No, oh, don't worry about it. Next time we have you on, you can cuss all you want. I, trust me, especially when I do these solo when, when Dennis can't join me sometimes during the season, it, it, it can get pretty bad in here as Dennis can attest to. Um, uh, especially when the Browns were losing, when I was expecting him to win, it was not pretty. <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I'm really interested. Um, I like to see how good Dobbins is going to be, kind of controlling the backfield now. Obviously, with Weber coming out into the draft, um, that's someone else I, I'd love to get your guys' opinion on at some point. But Dennis, before we close it out, your thoughts on Ohio State? You know, I 
I kind of fall into the, well, we're Ohio State. Of course we're going to be a contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fields is clearly a, a good quarterback. Dobbins is good. We have some good returners. I, I, uh, I don't think we lost a lot on the offensive line. A uh, couple key defensive guys are gone, but you know Bosa only played a couple games, so that really did that really wasn't, I guess, that big a loss. You know, Draymond was kind of the heart and soul of that defense, I think. So we'll see. Uh, I I like our chances. Um, you know, so so long as we beat Michigan, that's definitely something that uh, you know we we have to do. I have a question for Jared, and it's it's not Ohio State related. So I view in analytics uh, and film on a spectrum, and it seems like I'm watching Twitter, and everybody keeps viewing it as a coin where it's one side or the other. Oh, I think it's a spectrum with analytics at one end and film at the other. That being said, where on the spectrum do you fall? In my skills and what I'm able to do, I fall more on the film side right now. But I've always been a math guy and a data guy in in the classroom and at work and stuff like that. So working at FF Statistics is perfect for me because I'm picking the brain of like Peter Howard, Addison. Those guys are, I mean, they're, they're... really really good at that so um i've been trying to build my own little model to mix in with what i score the prospects at um on the tape and then what their numbers show as far as market share dominator ratings breakout age and that kind of stuff and then their combine scores so i've been really reading up on a lot of the analytical approaches to the game and how to evaluate these guys and i'm trying to learn more but as far as what I'm good at right now, I think actually studying the tape and watching what the guys are doing on the field is what I'm better at at this point. But, I mean, it's a spectrum. There's not there's not one thing rules all. It's You got to kind of it's, – it's a mixed basket approach. You know, you, you got to look at it from that regard, I think. I, I agree. That's why, that's why I labeled it as a spectrum. So we can start talking about it as a spectrum. We'll get it out there and get the get these yahoos to stop fighting about it. It's hilarious, man. I, uh, I don't know if you saw my tweet. I think you did about it being like a third gate, like a cafeteria of a bunch of third graders on Twitter. Right. Uh, God, I can't take it anymore, man. It drives me nuts. Yeah, unfortunately, Twitter can be like that sometimes. Well, guys, thank you guys so much for doing this with me today. The Combine Preview, it's going to be awesome to to allow our listeners to listen to this stuff about the prospects and everything, especially with that coming up this weekend. Uh, Dennis, since you're always on with us, I'll let you go first on uh, telling me where we can find you in your writings, and then we'll let Jared close it out. Well, as always, I'm at culture underscore coach on Twitter. Uh, I write for DynastyNerds.com. You can track me down there or check my pinned tweet. Uh, my catalog of writing is available on the Fantasy Life uh, app blog page. I did a, wrote for them for a year. Um, and I want to thank Jared for being our first guest. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Where can we find you at on Twitter, Jared, and where can they find your writings and everything? Well, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. Like, Thank you. This is my first podcast appearance so uh it's been fun and it's fun to talk to guys that are cleveland fans like myself so it's been cool um 
You can find me on Twitter at Jared Wackerly FF. I write for ffstatistics.com. I actually just finished up an article on Debo Samuel, so that should be dropping here soon. Uh, I'll pin that probably to my, my Twitter profile and put it out there, so check that out for sure. Uh, going to be coming out with some more video breakdowns on YouTube for FF Statistics. Uh, we're just beginning to roll that out here soon, so look out for that. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for coming on. The guys, like we talked about at the beginning, definitely check out his stuff. Follow him on Twitter. He knows what he's talking about, and that's exactly why me and Dennis wanted to bring him on. So thank you so much for taking time out of your night to, to spend some time talking some combine prospects with us. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play?